some beautiful weather yeah we have definitely um thanks for listening to episode 14 we had some good feedback from it yeah we did We'd, we haven't really had any bad feedback yet no not yet but i'm sure that there's people that have probably listened to us and turned us off and yeah. just never listened to us again but tell us why maybe we're just not their cup of tea never mind fuck it fuck it watch out god we watched um Something really good, the BBC drama, Time. That was this last week, this week. Three episodes, isn't there? Yeah. So if you haven't watched them on iPlayer, you won't have seen ending, I don't think. But it's got Sean Bean in, Stephen Graham, and there's some other good actors in it as well. We enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good, that. Also, we've been watching Euros. Yeah, we've watched pretty much every game. A lot of football. But last Saturday, we were watching the Denmark game. I think it was Denmark-Finland. Yes, it was. And for those that don't know, uh, a player collapsed on the pitch. In front of the entire nation watching. Yeah, and they were doing CPR on him. That's got defib out, didn't yeah. it? Yeah, it, 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 it wasn't nice. Now, if you are listening and you did witness it, you were probably like me and Phil sat on edge at bed or sofa wherever you were sat yeah literally just as hands in his head as well as head in his hands sorry just waiting yeah and i remember later that night when a statement was put out saying that he were all right he was sat up i even said to you didn't i i needed to see that because yeah it just we'd had a really good day yeah and it like completely sucked atmosphere didn't it? it it just put us both Feeling really, really... Down? Yeah. Sad. Yeah. But I'm glad he's all right. Uh, we watched England game, play Scotland, yesterday. Yeah. That were 90 minutes of his life we'll never get back. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, we have seen... It, and it was, were it Spain as well last week? That mm. was the same. Yeah. Boring game. Yeah. So... But we're enjoying following it, aren't we? Yeah. What else you want to go through? No, I don't think so. I don't think I'm... Give us a like and follow on our social media. Yeah. Terrifying and Twisted Facebook. Terrifying underscore Twisted on Insta. So, please give us a follow. And also, we're on YouTube, aren't we? So We are. Also, there are more and more people sending in requests now for cases, which yeah. I like. So, I'm working my way through. Well, my case this week is a request. Is it? So, on that note, we'll start. Yeah, jump in. So, my case was requested by our good friend, Lee Richardson. All right. So, shout out to my bro, Lee. So, this case is about a man called Mark Hobson. Mark Hobson is quite local to us. Right. Um, September 2nd, 1969, he was born in Wakefield. So Still pretty close. Yeah, Wakefield's like a 10-minute drive from us, isn't it? Yeah. Sandra and Peter were his parents. 
really good role models. He had a average upbringing, nothing ordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two siblings, two sisters. So, all pretty normal. Normal. Yeah. In his teenage years, he met a girl called Kay Ramsey, and she yeah. was his first love. She comes back into this story later on. Also, in his teenage years, he worked at a local butcher's. They described Mark as quiet, hard-working, gotten with his job. However, he wouldn't last very long in this job because a few weeks into the job, his boss was in the shop and heard commotion from the back room and opens the door and Mark's attacking another teenage boy with a knife pressed up against the fridge. So he's like... Yeah. Look, you, 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 you're good at your job, mate, but I can't, can't be, be having, having you uh, shanking people up in my fucking shop. Definitely. So he bounced between jobs. <clears throat> he even worked at Drax Power Station. Not far again. Not far again. He worked on doors in Selby. Not far. <laughs> and he was a dustbin man. So, so far what we've got is average upbringing. He had that little... Incident at Butchers, but other than that... So in 1991, Mark's 22 years old, and he's reunited with Kay Ramsey. Now, Kay Ramsey's got two kids from a previous relationship. Uh, They're moving together, they have a really good family life, and in 1993, Mark and Kay get married, and they also have a child. And then we fast forward to 1999, and it's New Year's Day. Mark completely walks out on Kay and the kids says that he doesn't want married life, he don't want to do it anymore. Right. He's done. Just unexpectedly. Yeah, just completely walks out on his family. Okay. In this time, Mark turns to alcohol, becomes dependent on alcohol, drugs, speed, weed. A bit of anything. Bit about. What people did say is Mark Hobson, sober Mark Hobson, were the nicest bloke you could be. Completely different person. But when he's under influence, he's just a completely different person. Right. Which, a lot of I know people that have been like that. Yeah. That are really nice lads, but as soon as they get a drink of them, they just change. Yeah. I'm not a angry. You're a stupid drunk. <laughs> the last time I think I remember seeing you drunk drunk yeah. was when we went to Log Cabin with Kerry. And you had her doing ridiculous shit. And stands. And stands on her head. Well, I don't... Crashing, dr- crashing into a wall. I don't drink very often, so... No, you don't, but when you do, you go Once every do. few years. <laughs> so, um... You were an awful person when drunk. Yeah. A year after walking out, he's on antidepressants. Okay. Also taking drugs, drinking. He uh, tried to return to Kay, but Kay basically said no. No. Look at state here. Yeah. He's in financial trouble because he's got to fund his habit. Yeah. He even stole his sister's engagement ring and pawned it for 30 quid. Nice man. He got arrested for that and he served a 50-hour community service. So a bit further down the line, stealing, drugs, booze. It's only going to get worse, isn't it? Yeah. Sometime in 2002, he had a new girlfriend. Okay. And this new girlfriend saw her ex-boyfriend in town while she was with Mark Hobson. And they ended up getting in an argument. I think this were in Selby. Right. And Mark gets a knife and stabs this man six times. 
Just in the middle of town? Just in the middle of town. Right. And one of the people said, when they saw him do it, it was like he stood there and just watched him bleed. How bizarre. This man survived. Mark obviously got arrested, took to a holding cell, and he was let go the same day. What? Yeah. But he just stabbed somebody six times in a town centre? Yeah. And this was what, 2002? Yep. Fuck off. So, court day is charged wounding with the intent of GBH. So, what would you think that would get you? Well, some time in prison. How much time? Mm, I, I don't know. Guess. I really don't know. Maybe three years? What about 100 hours community service? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, all right. Why would it not attempt murder? I've no idea. Charged, wounding, with the intent of GBH, 100 hours community service. Wow. Yeah, that's what I thought. In 2003, his dad passed away and apparently are really close to his dad. So this is everything that has happened previous to this case. Yeah. Right. So in the same year that his dad passes away, he meets 27-year-old Claire Sanderson. And he's in his 30s now. Yeah. They moved in, everything's all going well. But then eventually the arguments start, the drinking starts, the fights start. Yeah. And I think they were well known for doing that. Funnily enough... We've got someone like that on our street. We have, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> but Claire never pressed charges. Mark never pressed charges on her. Yeah. Um, there was stuff like the smashed glass bottles over each other's heads. He'd pushed her downstairs. Just complete toxic Just together. a complete up and down relationship. Yeah. So July 18th, 2004. They've been together a year plus. One of the neighbours recognises that there's two police cars outside their house. Thinks nothing of it because they're used to seeing police yeah. there. The next time this neighbour has a look, there's seven to eight police cars there. Fucking hell. So what has happened is the police have been sent there to do a welfare check because Claire Sanderson hasn't been seen in a week. Wow. Police break in to the house. All living rooms out of place. Sofas have been moved. There's blood spatter on walls. There's dints in the wall. Summit's gone down. Summit's happened. Yeah. They go upstairs, and there's two dead bodies. One of them is Claire Sanderson. Yeah. The other one is her twin sister, Diane. Okay. Claire's body were laid on the bed, wrapped in bin bags from head to toe. Diane's body, her twin sister, were naked at the foot of the bed. Right. I think it said that she was sort of part uh, wrapped in bean bags. She was laid on a plastic sheet on the right, okay, uh, the bottom of the bed. Both bodies had been washed. Diane, she had a bag on her head that were untied. So, what coppers for is is well, this person they didn't know it were him has uh, prepped Claire's body, right, and was in the process of prepping Diane's body. Yeah. So CSI come in. On his living room sofa, there's a sleeping bag laid out, and underneath the sleeping bag are really big bloodstains. <laughs> also, the bathroom was silly clean. Right. So, the bathroom had been cleaned. They found a hammer underneath the bed, which they'd obviously thought 
this could be a murder weapon. Maybe it was used in attack. Diane's body uh, were tied up. Uh, she'd been raped. All her pubic hair had been shaved off. This, this wasn't just them two being toxic. No. This, this weren't. They were known to have arguments when they were both pissed or off their head. No. Well, this. This is Diane's body, and this is the twin sister. Sister, yeah. The the preparation, the cleaning, the cleaning of the bodies, the wrapping in bin bags. This ain't just a, I've whacked her over head with a bottle of vodka and accidentally killed her. No. Wow. So, Diane's body, she'd been raped, her pubic hair had been sh- shaved off, and her left nipple wasn't there anymore. They'd guessed that it had been chewed off. Fucking hell. Uh, she'd got bruises and cuts maybe uh, signs of torture. Claire's body, she had strangulation marks, which were, uh, I think that was cause of death, but she also had 17 wounds to her head. From the hammer? Yeah. Wow. No sexual assault. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? The fact that that's his partner. Yeah. Yet he's killed her so viciously. Yeah. With a hammer to head. Not... Had sex scene. No, no sexual assaults took place, but he's then raped a sister. Yep. Ligature marks round her neck. So it. Wow. I, that's really bizarre. I thought it was bizarre, yeah. I'd love to dig into the reasoning behind <clears throat> that. I bet, I bet somebody's done some sort of psychiatric report on that. So while these police are at this address looking at this, another phone call comes into the police station. There's been a double murder. Somewhere else? Somewhere else. Oh, fucking hell. This is 20 miles away. It's in York. Yep. And it's an old couple, completely unconnected. Right. 80-year-old James and 81-year-old Joan Britton have been married 61 years. Wow. Joan's body was found in the hallway with a torso... It had major trauma mm. from a stabbing. The blade of the knife was actually broken off inside the torso. Wow. James's body was in the living room and he'd been beaten in his head with his own walking stick and stabbed with the same knife. So These are brutal, yeah, crazed Police came up attacks. with theory that this person had maybe snuck into the house, attacked James first. Yeah. And then attacked Joan second. That's why she had the knife. It is broken off. off. Yeah. So police are thinking they're both brutal murders. We don't really have that many double murders. Where is Mark Hobson? Yeah. The fine prints on these bin liners that have been wrapped uh, around Diane's body in his house. They found his prints on doors in Joan and James's house on shoe boxes where he'd been rummaging through the belongings. And at this time, he's, we fast forward, and he's been on the run for two weeks. Autopsies of Claire comes back that she's been dead one week before Diane. Fucking hell. Yeah. Um, they found a bus, ti- uh, bus timetable, and it had a notes of checklist of fly spray, clean-up stuff. Yeah. So... Things it looked like it was premeditated. Yeah. They put Mark Hobson's name out there. Picture everywhere, Everything. TV, 
appeals everywhere. So they're pretty certain that Mark Hobson is this person that's definitely killed Claire and Diane. Yeah. But they don't know about Joan and James yet. Well, they do actually because they've got the prints on Prints at the yeah. house, yeah. Uh, his ex-wife and kids, they're under police protection. They put together a task force to capture Mark. Surely it won't take long if he's everywhere. Yeah. So his behaviour was completely normal in this time. One at Barsaf, a local pub that he used to drink at, heard Mark phoning Diane. Right. And saying Claire had got glandular fever and he'd organised for Diane to go to Mark's home to visit her sister. <sighs> By this time, Claire had been dead a week now. Diane organised to meet a boyfriend in the pub after. Yeah. So that same evening, Diane's boyfriend Ian rang a mobile to find out why she wasn't at the pub. <clears throat> and Mark Hobson answered the phone and basically said something about the twin's father had suffered an heart attack and that they went back to their hometown to be with him. So she'd go without a phone... And she won't think to tell her own boyfriend. So Mark Hobson then meet, uh, then organised to meet Ian right. at the pub <clears throat> within two hours of Diane's so death. So after killing his girlfriend, yeah. within two hours he's sat drinking a pint with him? Yeah. They were drinking together. Hobson then invited him back to his flat. Fucking hell. Ian obviously noticed a smell in the flat, but Hobson fobbed him off with some bullshit about drains that were blocked. Right. Ian apparently also noticed bloodstains on the sofa, which Mark Hobson described as Claire's women problems. Nice man. Hobson even offered to let Ian sleep on the sofa for the night, despite the twins' bodies being upstairs. Wow. When Ian went to the toilet, Mark Hobson followed into the toilet stood directly behind him to make sure he didn't go upstairs. Why why would he not leave? Ian, next day, was still worried about his girlfriend and he visited Diane and Claire's dad's home. Yeah, obviously they're not there. No, because the dad answered the door. (laughs) Of course he did. That night, it alleges that He'd also tried selling Diane's car for £400. Um, Mark Hobson went back to his mother, so we're with Mark Hobson now. He wanted to borrow her car. Okay. She said no, but she gave him a lift to York. And he basically told his mum that he wanted to go to York because Claire or someone had been in a car crash. He does a lot of fucking lying. Yeah. So, July 25th, so this is two two weeks after uh, Claire had gone missing. Obviously, his face were everywhere. Yeah. And this petrol station owner serves him, called Derek. And he buys some sick papers and a bottle of water. And all along, this petrol station person, Derek, knew it were him. And he kept his cool. Served him, completely normal. And as soon as he got out, it would bang straight on the phone. Yeah. Saw him walking towards these fields. Obviously, a cop has come and they find him in a field, just chilling out in a fucking field. Right. He's in the same clothes as the second murder. They were going to be covered in blood. Yeah. Um, Mark Hobson basically said 
I can't remember anything. Just remembering, basically what he did is, he said he did it, right. but he can't remember doing it. So he's, he's, he's blacked out from that many drinks and drugs. And he's, he's gone on this great, crazy attack. He, he don't remember it. Right. And that's his story. And that's it? Yeah. So he, he pled guilty to it. But to this day, he still says he don't... Don't remember it. He got life in prison, tried to appeal it, got denied. But, yeah, that's all they said. They said that he'd remember random pointless things that weren't even about the murder, but happened in that time frame. But he couldn't remember doing any of that. How bizarre. So we don't get to find out why. What motivated it or anything? No. But on a brighter note, <laughs> he's serving in the same prison as Ian, well, as Ian Huntley did serve. Okay. So Ian Huntley was in the same prison, which is Wakefield Prison. Yeah. And Mark Hobson threw red hot boiling water in Ian Huntley's face. Well, just Which is fine by me, because yeah. anyone that knows Ian Huntley knows that he did a double murder of two young girls. Two very young girls. What an utter piece of shit he was. So, Lee, I hope that were good enough for you, mate. That, that's that been a strange one to listen to because, yeah, they said that he could be a different character. Wet, right, so when you were leading up to it, I started thinking this was going to end up being a domestic incident that goes drastically wrong. Yeah. At no point did I think it was going to lead to what you've just told me. Yeah. I didn't think for one second that it'd be this massive crash. Well, because he's, when he's, he's killed them... He's killed his missus. He's had her for a week. And in that week, he's decided, do you know what? I'm going to kill again. And I'm going to kill her twin sister. Everything it, everything was premeditated. Like, he, he knew that, oh, yeah, I can get around to my flat by saying, come in and check on your sister. Yeah. Boom, forgot you. They reckon uh, the two old people were just a... A random. Robbery. They reckon that he obviously aren't Ron. He'd broke, he broke into a house previously. Yeah. Uh, but ran off because he thought someone had seen him or something like that. So this was the second house that he'd broke into that day in York. And he must not have thought they were in. And he's just... Just lost them. it, hasn't he? Yeah. What on... Fucking hell. Wow. So, my case this week. My case is David and Catherine Burney, also known as the Morehouse Murders. Now, this one was quite strange because we've seen it a few times with couples that kill. Yeah. And I always think if they'd never have met, like, would these things have ever have happened? It's one of them. Yeah. It's definitely one of them. And I just think there were two individuals, unlike your guy, that had such a normal upbringing, there were, these two didn't have that at all. And they sort of just brought were brought together and it was just fucking toxic from the beginning. So, the Marhouse murders were carried out by David and Catherine Burney in Perth, Australia. Um, it was 1986 and it ended up being a five-week-long spree that just completely terrorised this area because they lived in this really suburb, what's it, suburb area? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it just completely terrorised everybody. But before I get into the actual murders, 
I am going to tell you a little bit about these two as individuals and how they came to meet, right? So let's start with David. David Burney pretty much were born into this absolutely shit show of a family from day one. His parents were described as odd by anybody that knew him. His dad was socially awkward, um, a very small man with a stutter that got judged a lot. His mum were basically branded rough. She had such a potty, filthy mouth, um, really shitty behaviour. She weren't very well liked in community. Just a knob, right? Sounds like someone on our street. It really does, doesn't it? <laughs> so, when these two actually planned to marry, even the vicar voiced his concerns that this weren't a good match and actually, I don't want to marry you. Basically saying that nothing good could ever come out of this relationship. But despite that, they got married and they went on to have five kids. Now, David was the first born and he grew up in an area called Whittle Grove. And like I said, the minute he were born, his life was just a shit one. His mum would basically go on, she, she was just so not maternal. She'd get on bus with him. Everybody that ever come across him knew how dirty he was. You know, he just weren't bathed, soaking dirty, that just grotty. Um, she'd happily just hand him over to anybody on this bus so she could go sit up front on her own smoking she didn't want to deal with him and she'd basically just shout him to bring him down when it were her stop she's well good isn't she yeah um, she just it, it was very obvious to everybody that knew him that she weren't capable of looking after him yeah to be fair both of them he weren't any better either he couldn't be asked looking after him Um they all recall the fridge basically being left open from morning till night so nobody had to feed anybody they could help themselves and they couldn't even be asked to feed the dog that they had so it were a free-for-all sort of yeah. fend for yourself situation um also around the area and people that knew him there were so many accusations and claims of incest that were going on it's very well known that his mum would get taxes and in exchange for fair would do sexual favours. But this were also in front of the children. Fuck in the back hell. of the taxi. Yeah. So you can just imagine, can't you? Yeah. It were a fucking mess. Um and then in early nineteen sixties they moved to another area and this is where David first met Catherine. The both was just twelve years old. Both troubled. I'll tell you a bit about Catherine in a bit. Um, but at that point, nobody sort of knew where this relationship would go with these two. Yeah. But it said that it was like an instant connection and not in a good way. It was pretty creepy. And again, no good were going to come of this either. Um, but even at such a young age, people could see that it weren't all rainbows and unicorns between them. It was quite toxic. There was something that was very strange about them, even so young. Um, at the age of 15, David decided that he were done with school and he wanted to be a jockey. So off he went on apprenticeship um, to the stables. Um, I think it was some sort of like an assistant. But this is where David's behaviour started to be questioned um, by a lot of people. 
after a while of working at this stable, um, it said that he started hurting the horses quite physically, violently. Um, not very nice. It always fucking pisses me off so much when the uh, animals. Yeah, like why? He'd often threaten to kill them. He also had this motorbike and he would often drive round yard on this motorbike like a complete knob in nothing but a leather jacket. And then he'd randomly take off this jacket and expose himself to anybody and everybody. And he actually just thought this was proper funny. And, and he normal. Thought, <laughs> and normal. And he thought it were a joke. Um, but everybody soon started to feel uneasy around him. It then became apparent pretty quickly that there were definitely something not right with him. Um, because there were an old lady that lived pretty close to the stables and she basically looked after all jockeys and she'd cook them tea every night and she'd take it out for them. Um, and she was just this lov- lovely little, I think she was in her 70s, so a lovely old lady. One night, David decided he was going to sneak back when everybody else had left and with nothing but a pair of stockings on his head, he broke in through a window and he was going to attempt to sexually assault her. But he got scared and ran off. No no idea why, but he did. Obviously, that stable job were no more. Yeah. And they got rid of him. And as the years went on, his behaviour just started escalating. He ended up getting charged with quite a few petty things, um, just like theft and stuff like that. And he did do time in prison. Not right long, but he did time in prison. Um... And by this time, he was a young adult. Everybody that knew him said it became obvious that he had um, an addiction to porn and sex. Um, Like, quite an open sort of addiction. Now, a lot of different therapists have done psychological profiling on him. And I've read a few of them. And they all say pretty much the same. That all this behaviour is due to his upbringing especially watching his mum pay taxi drivers in favours. It just basically took away any meaning of any sexual relationship and women were then objects that he used for his gain. Um, Also, the incest that apparently went on, it kind of just removed any sort of boundaries, what were right and wrong in a relationship. So, yeah, it kind of shaped him into what he was going to be, unfortunately. So I don't know if these two would never have met would the crimes have been as bad or would he have still gone on to done this? I don't know. Yeah. But... Because he were on a ropes or something. Yeah, before, you know, um, well before it, it escalated to what it escalated to, yeah. you knew that it were going to come. So, for most of all this time, David and Catherine were inseparable. So, it were from being about 12 onwards, just completely inseparable. There comes a point where they did separate the ways and stopped talking um david actually went on to marry another lady in his early 20s they then had a daughter together and everything seemed to be going all right for him he was living this normal sort of life but then it all went down shit pan and that's when Catherine came back into the picture so i'll jump back and tell you a bit about Catherine. yeah she was born in 1951 and when she was just two years old her mum died whilst giving birth the baby also then died. So Catherine was with her dad, but it wasn't long until he then decided that he couldn't take care of her. So he handed over custody to her grandparents. Right. Now, she did spend from the three up until ten with her grandparents, 
but they were very very strict people um and then when she turned 10 all of a sudden she rounded back to her dad and she was moved and she all of a sudden in this new area she didn't have a relationship with her dad because you know he'd not had her for all them years yeah um so when she met david unfortunately she sort of just put all her eggs in his basket and she felt that this person she could trust and had her back had her back 100 percent. he wasn't gonna let her down yeah so when david's family moved in early 1960s they moved to that same area where catherine already she lived there with her dad and then that's when they met by the time they were 14 they were on a full-on relationship having sex proper adult sort of relationship but by this point, they were getting into so much trouble. Um, she started doing things that she wouldn't normally do. He what one basically encouraging it all. And at one point, her dad says that he did beg her to stay away from him, leave him. He's no good for you, but she was a teenager. Now, it did eventually um, land Catherine in prison. And they both got sentenced. And it was there um, that her parole officer basically made her see sense. This relationship is toxic. It's no good for you. So when she was released, um, she cut all contact with David. She went on to get a job as a housekeeper and she even went on to marry a man called Donald, where she worked. What Donald Trump were it? It definitely wasn't Donald (laughs) Trump. And um, she basically was loving life. She was having this life that she didn't know existed without David in it. And everything was going good. Now, her and Donald went on to have seven kids together. When... Seven fucking kids. I couldn't imagine. (laughs) I couldn't. No, thank you. Not for me. Um, When their first child were actually six months old, a tragic accident happened. Um, They'd had friends over, and as these friends were leaving, somehow the baby had got put down on the floor, and the friends reversed over the baby. Fucking hell. Killing killing it instantly in front of them. That is awful. Yeah. Um, so you can imagine that that was quite hard to get over and apparently it put a massive strain on the marriage, which yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Um, but she managed to battle through it, even though everybody knew it had affected her like massively. Which it would. Yeah. But she seemed to be doing all right until all of a sudden everything changed. Now, in an interview, Donald even said he can't explain it. Like, he, he's no idea where it came from, just so out of blue. Um, but after she'd gave birth to the last baby, she went into hospital to have an hysterectomy and everything was fine. Donald then went up to the hospital to be with her, to support her. But as he walked into the room, David was sat there holding his holding her hand. Now, it had been years. Who the fuck's this dude? <laughs> it had been years since she'd cut him off. And as, ev- as far as everyone else were aware, they'd had no sort of contact. But here he is, holding her hand. Um, and then she went, she was released from hospital, went home, carried on with Donald, everything was fine. So I'm assuming she just said that... Oh, she explained, she thought it was normal, you know, this is a guy that I were in a relationship with. Just what? It's not weird, yeah, sort of thing. Right. So they carried on as normal for a little while, and then Donald was taking her to work one day, and he basically said, oh, I'll pick you back up at such and such. But when he got there, she'd left town. She'd left David, left with David... She'd left Donald and kids with no explanation. Just gone. Just gone. So when these two got back together, it said it was just like a bomb waiting to go off. (laughs) A ticking time bomb, just waiting. The pair moved into number three, more house. 
where eventually these murders came about. Yeah. Now, by the time they came back together, David had already started preying on women. There'd been a few reports of him sort of being creepy and stalking women out. And these were before he got back with her. So one lady worked in an estate agent and for a solid week, he basically showed up to her work every day. Um, started by looking through window at her being a bit creepy. But eventually he'd go in and try and convince her that she needed to leave office for so many different reasons, random reasons, but she never did. Um, she basically told her husband about this guy so he offered to come sit with her for a day and as David approached husband chased him off and he never came back after that right. um, but still a little things like that he'd already started doing and just an idea of just an idea of um, how these two played into each other's fantasies for one of David's brother's 21st birthday as a gift he was given a night with Catherine as long as his brother could sit and watch. What the fuck? <laughs> that That's the kind of fantasies they were feeding into each other. Um, so that first year of basically being back together is when they just planned out this massive attack and they had quite a system in place and they knew what they were going to do and then they eventually put it into action. Right. So now on to the murders. In a five-week period, they abducted five women ranging from the age of 15 to 31. Four of the five victims was raped and murdered. One survived. Mainly for his gratification, I'm assuming. Well, Mary Nielsen was their first victim. She was 23 year old and studying psychology at university in Western Australia. She met David at, I'm guessing like a scrapyard kind of place. She had a part-time job there. Uh, David had managed to convince her to go over to their house to pick up some scrap and on the 6th of October that's what she did completely unaware of what were about to go down as soon as she got in the house she basically were gagged chained at bed and David repeatedly raped her now some of the victims were just kept overnight and some were kept for a few days right so each varies but ultimately once David were finished um, he'd then get them into the car and drag them into Glen Eagles National Park. He would rape her again, this particular lady, before strangling her. Um, he then would put her in a shallow grave. He also stabbed her, but at autopsy it was proven that she was dead before he stabbed her. He told Catherine that apparently this would speed up um, the de composition the decomposition stage and it'd be less likely for him to get caught right they then moved on to their second victim who was a 15 year old girl called Susanna Candy now they took Susanna two weeks after killing Mary she was hitchhiking and basically Catherine and David abducted her as soon as they got her in the car they held a knife to her they tied her up and took her back to their house Again, she were gagged, chained up and repeatedly raped. Now, as a little side note, these two picked up so many women, like so many, not just the ones that ended up being victims. But it's like they say, it, it was like that back in them days. Yeah. <clears throat> People are just fun for a lift. All the time. It were normal, wasn't it? Now, they'd actually let them go because they both had this agreement that they both had to be happy with the choice and the way that... They were going to let each other know that this was the one is they'd say to each other i've got the munchies 
And that's how they both knew that this was a girl that they were going to take. Because they've got munchers. Yeah, fucking disturbing people. So, again, Suzanne were taken to their house, repeatedly raped. They actually tried to kill her at that house, but she proper freaked out. So they forced sleeping pills down her throat. Then once she were asleep, again, they took her to the Glen Eagles National Park where she were buried next to Mary. But this time, David told Catherine that she had to kill him. She had to kill her to prove how much she loved him. So without even giving it a second thought, that's what she did. And they buried her next to Mary. They then both moved on to their victim number three, who was 31-year-old bar manager Nolene Patterson. And on the 1st of November, she basically ran out of fuel. She was stood next to her car, waiting for some help. They obviously saw her. They'd already been out looking for the next victim. Offered to help her. As soon as she were in the car, again, held at knife point, tied her up and took her to the house. She were different because she were kept the longest. Right. And... Catherine noticed that David started getting attached to Nolene. So she got jealous. This pissed her off. Um, She ended up holding a knife to Nolene's throat and basically saying to David, it's either her or me. Unfortunately, he chose Catherine. Mm. Nolene was for sleeping pills yet again, then strangled to death. But because Catherine was disgusted by her and this attachment between her and David... She said she had to be buried miles away from other two um, that they'd buried before. Then days later, they went out and they found victim number four, who was 21-year-old Denise Brown. She were at a bus stop. By this point, they had this routine down to a T and the killings had become closer. Denise, again, she were tied, gagged, raped, taken to National Forest this time. Um, So were not taken to the house? Nope. And she was stabbed in the neck. So, a psychologist that completed a report on this basically said that originally these crimes were about their sex drive yeah. and the sex fantasies, but like everybody else, it no longer were enough. Yeah. And then as soon as that stabbing took place, that's when it came into play that it were a different level of high. Different thrill. Yeah. David didn't have a clue what he were doing. He thought he'd killed her, um, but he ended up actually burying her alive. It was confirmed. They then moved on to the fifth and final victim, where things just didn't go to fucking plan at all. And actually, I'm under no illusion whatsoever, if this didn't play out how it did, these two would have just carried on. Like, carried on raping, killing people, and I think they'd have just got worse and worse so, yeah, I, I don't, if this hadn't have kicked off like it did, I think they'd have just continued, and I dread to think how many people they would have hurt. So, victim number five is 17-year-old Katie. Exactly the same setup. They picked her up, offered, offered her a lift, but this girl were different. Straight away when she were picked up, she straight asked them, are you going to rape and kill me? From get-go. That then ended up turning this into a massive game for these two. And they just ended up taking her back to their home, keeping her, mentally torturing her, playing awful fucking mind games, getting her to write letters to her parents, ringing her mum, 
to convince her mum that she's she's okay. Just awful shit. And she were also basically forced to sleep in bed with these two and she'd be handcuffed to David. One morning, David had left for work and Kate was supposed to be chained up. Sorry, I'm not making it clear. She wasn't held for a massive amount of time. I think this was third day. Right. Right, should have made that clear. So um, she should have been chained up, but Catherine forgot and she went to answer the door for a drug deal and she escaped out of a window. You'd have thought it had been plain sailing. Yeah. But no. Apparently this girl ran through the entire neighbourhood, naked, jumping over people's fences, brain on doors for help, and every single person turned a blind eye. They didn't want to get involved. Now, breaking off from my case, we watched something last night, and what I'm about to get into is why I said it sounded so similar. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, if you've not watched it, would it call Believe Me? Please Believe Me? The Lisa McVeigh story on yeah. Netflix. Yeah, so we watched that last night. So, like I say, all these neighbours completely turned a blind eye. Eventually, um, she ran into a shop where the shop owner called the police. But even they didn't believe her. They decided to basically have her interviewed by the only female officer that they had working who, bearing in mind, was a 22-year-old girl that was fresh out of the policing academy. This was her first day at work, and she was basically told that this girl in here is lying, and I want you to take a short statement, then I want you to write her up for wasting police time. Now, this woman did an interview pretty recently, it's on YouTube, where she says, to this day, she still remembers them exact words and she had, she remembers the feeling that this weren't why I became a copper. I, I'm, I'm not doing that. So she went against all that and did a massive investigation. Now, Katie... Good girl. Katie had made sure she left things behind. At the scene? At the house. Now, the details this girl remembers, she remembers the house number... She remembers the steps. She remembers um, David and Catherine had actually used fake names, but when they allowed her to go to the bathroom, she found some tablets the with the real name. name. Yeah, so she remembered. Um, she remembered the house telephone number. Just lots of things. She made sure she left her fingerprints, and she also drew a picture and hid it. Told police where they could find it. Brilliant. Um, what a fucking legend. What, yeah. Just like that girl, that Lisa. Amazing. Fucking just quick thinking, isn't it? Um, obviously, pretty quickly, their home got searched. They found everything that Catherine said they would. Um, pretty quickly, them two were arrested. Now, David basically said that Katie had gone to their house for a consexual sex session thing. But Catherine completely denied all knowledge. Sexual session thing. thing. Yeah. It basically were consensual. Um, Catherine completely denied all knowledge. Said she'd never even seen her before. And she pretty much kept that up the entire fucking time. Um, But it didn't actually take David long to confess um, to abducting and raping Katie as well as the murders of the other four women. And he even took the police to where he could find bodies. 
Now, again, David at trial pled guilty. Um, the judge actually asked him, "What? why did you plead guilty? And he basically looked at the victim's families and said, it's the least I can do. So whether that's a bit all, of remorse or not... Although you're a piece of murdering shit, you have done the right thing. You've owned up. You've that felt... time you've owned your shit. Yeah. Um, Whereas these people that just, no well, comment, no comment. No. Well, he was given four consecutive life sentences. Now, Catherine, throughout, refused to even acknowledge any involvement at all. Um, I bet she was playing victim, wasn't she? Yeah. Now, with evidence, they had a bang to rights. She was also given four life consecutive sentences. Whilst in prison, they actually stayed together. Um, they exchanged thousands and thousands of letters but in october 2005 david was found dead in his cell and he'd basically hung himself catherine had a parole application basically denied in 2007 fuck you bitch yeah it was due for review in 2010 but again it was rejected and she's actually also had her papers marked never to be released which makes her only the third ever Australian woman to be never walking out of there. Good. Ever. Totally deserved. But that is the Morehouse murders. And when, when you were, were talking about the last girl, girl Katie, yeah. when she asked him in the car, are you going to rape and kill me? I bet from then on she's thinking what that Lisa McVeigh might have been thinking. If these fuckers are going to kill me, I'm going to make I'm sure, gonna make sure they get fucking caught. Yeah. 100% and I think that's what she did she played game and that but yeah is some fucking strong willpower to go through all that massive trauma and ordeal and still as well as making sure that you're leaving evidence behind yeah. and the the memory that you need to obtain massive kudos and she's 17 yeah wow so yeah that's um, my case wrapped up another thing as well Australia yeah they've got fucking loads of um, Brutal but, murders in Australia, yeah, I'm I telling know. you. I know, well Locking that... Fucking loads. So, I hope you've enjoyed that. Oh, you've got some plans for next two weeks. These two weeks are flying by. <laughs> I can't believe I actually thought that we had another week left, didn't we? Yeah. And it was like, no, Carla, it's out this week. So that they are so flying. So, join us again in two weeks. Bet shorter, followers and all that shit. All that shit, Nick. See you in two. See you later.